Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Banter FC podcast. Few topics to discuss this week. We had another weekend of games leading into the international break. We'll all recap some of those. The transfer deadline day happened, so we'll talk about some of the big moves, some that happened, some that didn't, kind of discuss some of those. And then, more important than all of that, FIFA 21 is upon us. Uh, (laughs) If you are an addict like some of us are, you have gotten your 10 hours of early access with the EA Play. As several of us on the show did, we paid for the more expensive version, so we have full access to the game, and we're going to talk about that for a little bit, and then um, to kind of bring in the theme of FIFA 21, we will, in our stoppage time segment, be talking about some of our favorite video games of all time. But this is Jake. I am also here with Kyle, Josh, and Ryan. Sawyer cannot join us tonight. We had a new guest host lined up. Um, we had actually hired former Arsenal mascot Gunnar Soros, but after Mesa Ozil uh, offered to pay his salary, he had to call and cancel on us. So hopefully we'll be able to get Gunnar Soros on in the next few weeks here, but <laughs> we're we're working it out with his people. He was asking for a ton of money, so... 80k a week is j- It just fell through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's been an entertainer for 27 years, so like he he deserves that pay, right? He does. Uh, eight, <laughs> 80 grand a week <laughs> worth tenure. every penny. A lot of tenure. Uh-huh. Those are Fabrizio sources saying 80k a week for sure. <laughs> Definitely. So, to get things started off, we will go to our Everton correspondent, Kyle. Yeah, so uh, Everton-Brighton this week to potentially set up a full-point matchup in the Derby, which we had our half. I mean, we got there, but we'll, we'll talk about the other half later. I think Crystal Palace has been their worst performance so far, and I don't think it was that bad. I don't think they looked superb, especially in the first half this week, but... Um, James just continues to impress. Two goals and an assist, another man of the match. It was one of those games where it just kind of felt like once they got the second and the third came right after that, well, the third came right at the beginning of the second half, it felt like maybe they were just going to walk it in, and that's pretty much what happened after James's second goal. So, yeah, I thought it was a good, okay performance and a good lead into the, the international break, thankfully, since we had a few guys knocked around, but glad to see that the boys could continue the streak. I mean, only the second season they've they've won the first four games in the league, so can't complain about that. In terms of deadline day stuff, I think they did a good job. I'm not super familiar with Ben Godfrey, but the people that I've been seeing are pretty high on him. He's a center back from Norwich. Like I said, don't super remember much from last year of him, but people say he's got a lot of potential. And he actually, hell, he ended up being like our second most expensive transfer. So excited to see what he does there. Bring in Olsen, a goalkeeper on loan. Would have liked to have seen him go after Romero, but maybe that wasn't their doing, that that didn't happen. It sounds like, according to his wife, uh, it sounds like Man United weren't exactly treating him the, the way that she wanted him treated, at least. So we'll uh, we'll see. But yeah, excited that Jordan maybe has some competition behind him now. Obviously a great start for Everton. And you spoke about the transfers. The one thing that has stood out and Everton's been able to get past it each time is a Pickford mistake or not even. Sometimes they're mistakes. Sometimes it's just you wish you did better. 
This week it was a big time mistake. mistake. He just dropped the ball right in front of the guy. And speaking from a Liverpool's perspective where you can see that some goalkeeping mistakes can really shatter some teams' confidence, do you think your new guy will get in at all, or do you think it's Pickford 100%? I don't know. Uh, Carlo very obviously wants to try and keep Jordan's confidence up because I mean I mean we've seen it with Kepa once you fully lose your confidence in goal it's hard to bounce back from I could see him Olsen getting time I honestly think they've kind of felt content before the Brighton game to just push it through this year maybe get somebody in January if Pickford's really underperforming but it felt like maybe the Brighton game was the the nail in the coffin of we need someone to challenge him Is Pickford still England's number one keeper? If I were the England manager, I think Dean Henderson would be my number one, personally. Man, I just watched the handshake video today. I don't remember seeing him. (laughs) I think he was in the last one. He's definitely there. I don't know if he's going to be their number one. He's not inspiring confidence, obviously. I mean, there you have goalies that are like really, really good, and then you just have goalies that are like not gonna do anything spectacular, but they're like also not gonna make a bunch of mistakes. We like, need someone passable, and he's not yeah. being passable. Right yeah, now. and he's actively contributing to goals versus yeah. just like not stopping anything spectacular, but like not making mistakes. Like he's and actually making mistakes. The last year or two, it's felt like, oh yes, he'll run out, he'll give you a performance worthy of England's number one where he'll be a wall, and then the next game he'll do something like we saw in Brighton. But he's not, right now he's not having those he's a wall performances. He's just having the either passable because he isn't really tested or the mistake-driven Jordan that we've come to know. So I think if there's a downfall in the squad right now, I guess, well, this from what I've seen about this Olsen guy, he's not he's not who you'd want to be your number one but the i think the hope is just put the the fire under jordan's ass and get him moving in the right direction if that's even still possible at this point is it all pure confidence right now or are you looking over your shoulder a little bit right now waiting for the trap door waiting for the hook because things are going really well I mean, it's it's easy to look for the trapdoor with the experience that we've had the last few years. So I'm not like, holy shit, we're winning the league. But I think it's a positive. We are actually... I mean, it's it's proving that the, the club made the right decision in Carlo, it seems like, at the very least. And they're setting up with the future for these young guys. This guy, this Nunkaku guy who's going to play right back for him once Seamus leaves. And I will say it's easy to be like, oh, yes, we're full-blown passionate. Like, we're going to win the league. We're top of the table. But the better feeling is the club is in the right direction. Because it's been easy to be very negative about the club. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of season left. But, yeah, I mean, unless anybody's got any other questions i think that's that sums about that was everton's season before the first international break so we'll see and so now uh i think i'll throw it over to jake to talk about the west ham game so for those of you that missed it uh including me because i forgot what time the game was west ham beats leicester three nothing Back-to-back weeks, West Ham beating Wolves and Leicester combined 7-1, to or 7 nothing, 7 nothing. yeah. 
when you look at how poorly the team played that first game against Newcastle and they didn't look terrible against Arsenal, but they also didn't look like a team capable of doing what they've done the past two weeks. Um, A few weeks ago, I talked about how after that first match, there was a very real chance that West Ham could have zero points on November 1st. Uh, They now have six points before the international break, which is just so much better than I thought they would be able to do. They've been playing five at the back and it's really working. Aaron Cresswell, who I think a lot of fans have criticized as a left back, he has been great as a center back, uh, was the man of the match uh, against Leicester. Pablo Fornells was great who I still think he's not playing in his natural position out on the left side was great. Mikhail Antonio was great. Uh, And someone that I don't think I've talked a lot about with West Ham this year is Angelo Agbana. And he has, over like the past year, has been sneaky, very, very good to the point that as a 32-year-old, he just got called back into Italy's squad for uh, this upcoming international break which he hadn't been called to Italy for over two years and just at his age like that kind of shows how well he's playing to like kind of break back into the team also uh Kufal I believe is how you say it the only transfer to speak of as of now for West Ham the right back from uh Slavia Prague he looked really good for you know only having a few practices with those guys I mean Leicester had four shots I don't think any of them were on target. So just like a really good game for West Ham. And it's, you know, like Kyle was saying about like optimism and things like that, like, I'm still expecting for this to like wear off. Like I don't think that switching to five at the back is like, oh, now they're charging for like the top half of the table. Like I think they are on a good run of form. But yeah, I mean I I can't expect this to keep going. Like it just doesn't it honestly doesn't make sense and the one other gripe i'll have is they really need to do something with sebastian ale i mean he's their record signing he's sitting on the bench and gets in to play like 10 minutes at the end of the game like michael antonio is great but i mean you can't you can't spend that much money on a guy and then just have him sit on the bench like that's just bad business and kind of grouped in with him this will get me into some transfer talk So I think it is official as of now. Felipe Anderson's going to Porto uh, for the year on loan. From what I saw, he wanted to go. And if you're the club, like he just didn't fit into what they had planned. If he's motivated and if he's playing at his best, he's probably the most technically gifted player on that team. He just never looked his best. So I think with a loan to Porto, you know, hopefully he plays well for them. And then come the summer, he gets his market value back up and they move on from him, whether it's Porto buying him permanently or sending him back to Italy or something else. Um But yeah, I mean, that's really the only transfer stuff to speak of, which I'm a little upset about because as it stands now, West Ham has the smallest squad in the Premier League. I think they only have 22 guys on the main main roster and they have no, the only left mid on that team is Pablo Fornals, who is not a left mid. And the only two backup center midfielders they have as of right now are Mark Noble and Robert Snodgrass, who looked 
so bad as the starting midfield against Everton in the cup midweek. So a lot of depth issues. I'm hoping, I think it's 10 more days. Premier League clubs are allowed to do business with like the championship and lower division. So fingers crossed they bring in some depth, but I really don't know. And, you know, everybody suffers injuries. So I think they could be really hurting. You left one uh, big transfer news off the list, and that is Jack Wilshire ending becoming a free agent and then subsequently posting a i don't even know where he typed his message it was practically a tweet (laughs) that he cropped and tweeted as a picture it's like a microsoft word document (laughs) (laughs) it it was so odd but i i loved the move uh just him being like you know it didn't work i could still play somewhere and jake i'd love for you to talk about it and then josh if you could hop in as he was one of your former guys I think you might have a word or two to say. You know, I completely forgot about Jack Wilshire leaving as I've completely forgotten about Jack Wilshire being on West Ham's team for the better part <laughs> of the last two plus years. You know, he, I think if he's healthy, I think he's probably a good player. But as we all know, he's never healthy. Right. He's never healthy. And it's also not even a matter of okay, the doctors cleared me, I'm 100% now. You know, these guys need months, weeks of training and semi-regular appearances to kind of get back up to full form. And he just couldn't do that. Looking at who they have right now, I think they probably should have played him in the cup if they thought he was sticking around, but obviously they didn't think that. You would never play him above Suchek or Rice and how they have it set up now. But best of luck to him. Like he he was the, at his peak, which I'll say this, Jack Wilshire, he's still only 28. He's so much younger than you think. And like his best season was when he was like 22. So like you think of the trajectory he was on from that point. It's like, oh my gosh, like this guy's going to be one of the best players in the world. And it just, it never happened. I I hope he goes to, you know, I I saw a lot of people saying Leeds, like uh, Adam Lallana going to Brighton. Like a guy that clearly has the talent, just can't stay healthy. Like, I really hope he's able to move to a smaller club and do well, but it just was never going to work at West Ham, especially being like the second or third highest paid player. He's got to end up some, like, at least, at the very least, a championship club. Like, I still think he probably has the legs at least to play championship football. But also, though, those are the clubs that are going to be like, can we risk paying a guy to not play? So right. I guess that's a little A, a little B. So I'd take him back at Arsenal. We're lacking midfield options. <laughs> put him in the Gunner costume. Yeah, put him. He could be Gunnersaurus. He probably, you know, he'd have to take a pay cut, but he'd still be making a lot of money for the sources. <laughs> but you know, I think most Arsenal fans have fond memories of him. I think he'd, he'd have to take a pay cut anywhere he goes, but definitely at Arsenal because we just can't afford it. But also, it'd be nice, even if he didn't play and he was just hurt all the time, you know, we have an affinity for signing players that just never play and are hurt. And at the very least, he could sit around with Mesut Ozil and be like, kind of spit about the good old days and tell the new young guys what it used to be like when Fagner was around and stuff like that. I don't know. He did have a cool tweet, too, where like a, a step three team, like not even a non-league team message, like, hey, if you need a place to stay fit, blah, 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 like, mm-hmm. we'd love to have you. And he said, what time's training? Don't want to get fined on day one. So wonder if he showed up for that. <laughs> So me talking about Jack Wilshire and having his best season, I went back and looked. 
What's the most goals Jack Wilshire has ever scored in a Premier League season? Oh, jeez. Like under five. The answer is three, which maybe he was not as good as I remembered him being. However, he was involved. Josh, Arsenal historian, help me out here. Was it against Hull? Their one, the Arsenal team no, goal, him and no, Ramsey Norwich, were in it. Like, Norwich. Norwich. One of the prettiest goals of all time. He was involved in that, so that could inflate how I at least think of him. Yeah, he's more of an attacking, creative midfielder. Not so much. Or even central midfielder, not like a goal scorer. That was Olivier Giroud's job back in those days. Yeah, so that's all I have for West Ham. I mean, top half of the table is legitimately shocking, but I will take it. <laughs> the road to 11. <laughs> I was going to say, it's yeah, they're, they're outperforming where I had them. And I had them probably a few spots too high. So now we are, we're on to Arsenal. Yep, quite the world we live in now where Arsenal and Everton can be counted on for consistent performances and other clubs that we shall talk about later are are a little more questionable. Won't talk much about this game because it was a Peacock game and quite frankly it was very boring. It's, It's Sheffield United. Arsenal. So you know what you're getting with Sheffield United. You're not getting a ton of goals. You're going to get organized defense. And yeah, you're just not going to get any goals. And I'll start with that. You know, Sheffield hadn't scored all season. And of course, they're going to score against Arsenal to make it interesting the last 10 minutes. <laughs> but but the rest of the game is, for once, Arsenal having a lot of the ball, kind of reminiscent of past years. But we haven't seen that a lot lately. You know, we finished with 60% possession or over that, actually, and just had two nice goals. You know, you had a team goal where Saka had his first Premier League goal, which was cool to see. And then he had Pepe with a, a really cool, nice run. So good to see that. And from a personal perspective, really tight to see Hector Bellerin get both assists because he's he's my dude. And he, he seems to be finding a lot of form. We talked about that in previous pods, and he, it, it seems to continue. So, so more of that would be great. But that was really it. It was 90 minutes of not a whole lot of action, just three quick moments. Credit to McGoldrick. He had a sick goal that was all basically all him and just happened to wrong foot Tierney with some nice moves and had a good finish, but that was it. Nine points, pumped about that. And another game that in previous years, Arsenal would have found a way to draw or lose and they, they stuck it out. So let the good times roll. So this has been a thing in the Everton fan base right now that many people are blaming their success on the fact that Allen tucks in his jersey. I believe Hector has also been tucking in his jersey this year. Do you think that is contributing to your guys' success? I will say one, yes, and two, anything that happens with Arsenal, it'll be correlated to what is happening with Hector Bellerin's fashion choices. It just, that seems to be it. Like, <laughs> oh, he, he has long hair. He can't play hard anymore or, you know. He's cut his hair. He's hurt. If Hector Bellerin makes the choice to tuck in his jersey, I think that means the other 10 guys out there should probably be tucking in their jerseys. <laughs> I, w- I would defer to Hector Bellerin when it comes to uh, fashion choices. The Premier League tuck-in jersey scale goes far, high, max, 100th percentile, Hector Bellerin, 1st percentile, Rodri on Man City. There's not anyone <laughs> who looks any more pedestrian when he's got his shirt tucked in. Like they, that guy just walked in down from the stands with a kit from the club shop, it looks like. Just sits in midfield and commits fouls to stop counterattacks. <laughs> Rodri drives to the stadium with his kit tucked in. <laughs> so I have a question about this match. Not about Ever or er, Arsenal, sorry. Does Sheffield United score another goal the entire season? <laughs> 
<laughs> they, they do because speaking of transfers they did sign the star boy of liverpool Ryan brewster who surely could never flop will always be the best player that there's ever going to be but i hope he does well there liverpool kind of pulled a master class again some people were very upset because they're so in love with him but Ryan brewster's maybe kicked the ball in the premier league for 15 minutes and we sold him for 25 million pounds so i'll take that i think he might help the offense but i don't if if you're gonna put it on a guy who's never played that's he can't hurt it and they yeah 25 million i mean it's you know the premier league obviously has a lot of money just being in the premier league you automatically get a lot of money but some of these bigger clubs you see them taking haircuts and not buying guys because of covid and how that's impacted their financials you could only imagine that it's impacted sheffield united even more like they don't have the hundreds of millions of dollars sitting in a bank somewhere so they yeah i mean it you know it could work out for them but they did they went all in on a you know i'm sure he he's obviously talented but he's also not proven that on a premier league stage and you also think if he is getting subbed in in the premier league the team around him versus who he's going to be playing with as a sheffield united player and they'll score again because they got fulham in their next game and then they have <laughs> liverpool with adrian right after that so goals coming. <laughs> bet the overs yeah bet the overs for sure I do want to add one thing to this game, and it, it it's not a question, it's more of a comment. Josh talked about how this was on Peacock. This was just a peak Peacock game, and to just hear the statement, McGoldrick scores to make it 2-1 in the 80th minute, that is the most Peacock statement of all time, I think. <laughs> yes. Agreed. I almost turned it off after that goal. I was like, I don't, I don't want to watch the last 10 minutes, but I but I had to. <laughs> but following up with the game, the big Arsenal news this week was obviously Ainsley Maitland-Niles slotting away another penalty kick goal against Liverpool. No, I'm just kidding. It was the deadline day move <laughs> for Thomas Party. Just saying, hello, Atletico. You didn't want to talk to us all summer. Here, we're just going to pay his release clause to La Liga and not tell you. And, and, and we have no one will they tell are. you. <laughs> Yeah. They are big mad at you guys, aren't they? <laughs> well, you know, and, and that's kind of what you get. Like, hey, they've been trying to negotiate a deal for Torreira all summer, and from what it sounds like, just weren't like, we're not going to talk to you about party. It's like, well, you know you have this release clause, right? Like, and, and I don't know if it was truly, if, I think it was truly they didn't have the money until the last day when they laid off Gunnar Soros. They, <laughs> they got the money and they said, <laughs> they said, we're going for it. We're going to the legal office. We're going to have a medical of your player in your own country. And then he's going to fly off to Turkey to play with Ghana and not even tell you guys that, that he's transferring. But I guess, rewinding it, I guess today he did go back to Atletico and said goodbye. But good for him. Quality guy that. But Arsenal and Atletico, that's a pretty, that was a pretty dirty move. But as an Arsenal fan, I'm obviously pumped. That's our number one transfer target. We got him. I was... I. I would say as as someone who's really only watched Atletico in the Champions League, they of all people should respect waiting until the very last minute to kind of do something a bit underhanded exactly. and uh, and yeah. ugly and and not it's not pretty and it kind of takes them by surprise. That's that's what Diego Simeone has built his entire career on as a manager. So 
it just sounds like he's upset that someone did it to them this time. Yeah, so we'll see. That's we Arsenal needed more midfielders. They were looking at a season of, or at least a fall of Xhaka, Ceballos, who I love, not hating on that, and El Nini, who's quickly rising the ranks, but still is very unproven and very bantered on Twitter. So we'll see. It's nice to have at least a fourth guy there for now and then see what young guys come up. It was before my time of watching soccer at all, but everyone talks about how Patrick Vieira was probably the most integral piece of Arsenal's Invincibles and in, in, in their entire success early on in the 2000s. And everybody is already just saying that Party is stepping into that role. I, it's a lot of expectation for him to step in. I think he's a very good and strong player and it's going to change the team. Just because he's so much more of a tough and active player, but I think those big expectations are a lot to take for a guy coming in for the first time. Yeah, exactly. Those are that's too big of a claim to lay on someone who hasn't played a game for a club to compare him to maybe the second most, one of the top five most legendary players for a big club like that, like Arsenal. The good news is he's a guy who's coachable and he's smart. That seemed to be two of his top traits, so maybe he can follow that. But yeah, you know. That's crazy. And, it, you know, just like we've said before, it's just, that's just Arsenal and football Twitter being sane as usual and very rational. So credit to everyone for keeping control. <laughs> Is it time to move on to the uh, most shocking result of the weekend? Game of the week. I don't even remember who played. Can, can Ryan, can you talk about it? Maybe? Do we have to? <laughs> I mean, we can I talk about Jack Grealish. Okay. We can talk about Jack Grealish. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get King. into it. King! <laughs> we we will get into it. Okay, so I was out in Arizona this weekend, and I had two flights, obviously, to get there and back. Flight one takes off with maybe five minutes left in the Carabao Cup. So then I have four hours on this flight waiting to see who won the penalty kick. So that was not fun getting off that flight to see that. Congrats, Josh. Another Banter FC Derby win. Uh, and then this game was right around my takeoff time. So I'm I'm at the airport. I'm watching it as, we're, as my fiance is checking her bags in. And I'm just seeing Adrian make a, a terrible pass. And it leads right to the first goal. And you're just in the middle of an airport. During these times, you can't get too upset or cause any sort of a scene so i'm just watching calmly on my phone and then it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse i mean credit to villa you can't say you got unlucky when you lose seven to two i don't know um <laughs> what happened honestly when you, when you watch the game and i watched uh klopp's interview post-match just before hopping on here to see maybe he spoke some sage words of wisdom. And he was saying, you know, it's just a crazy game. He's like, maybe maybe a more reflective scoreline was that it could have been nine to five. But like Liverpool had their chances. They didn't take many. Emiliano, the new Villa keeper, Josh called him out as one of the top transfers of this window. And that that's probably going to wind up being true. He's been a Liverpool kryptonite. He stopped shots. We did not stop shots. And then, I, I don't know. There's something, there's something that you want to say that there's a lack of resolve in that performance just because you shouldn't give up seven goals to a team that barely got through last season. But then again, maybe on one side of it, have to think, you know, there, there's got to be something weird going on in the Liverpool dressing room just with Samikas in the very beginning of the season test positive coronavirus. Then you get in Tiago, he does well, he tests positive. Then Sadio Mane, a day before the match, tests positive. 
And then day of the match, Liverpool announced Allison's out, and now it's out that he's probably going to be out six weeks. I think there's just a lot going on. And then today it came out that Jared and Shakiri tested positive for COVID. So I don't know. I think part of it is not saying that they all have COVID and that's why they played bad. There might just be a lot on the minds of some of the people as well, just because that is so weird. That's more people who had more players who had COVID in this week than there were when they shut the league down. So hopefully everything gets sorted there. But yeah, other than that, in the game itself, I keep talking away from the game because it was so awful. I It always seemed like Liverpool had a chance to come back until it got to maybe 5-1. I thought they would have a chance to get back into it just because they were creating opportunities. But you got to see what makes Aston Villa a fun club to root for or what could be a fun club to root for. Uh, We turned Ollie Watkins into a prime Ronaldo out there. Then you saw the, I absolutely hated it, but you saw the introduction of Ross Barkley into this (laughs) bruv sort of lineup and he fit right in. If the game was closer, I would have hated it. But I kind of loved it because it was such an outrageous game. And what can you do? Aston Villa, I think Barkley started it. Once they started scoring, maybe their fourth through seventh goals all started to do the same hand sign for Aston Villa, I believe is what it was. Yeah, so, that's a good that's a good group celebration. Yeah, so credit to those guys. I mean, they, they were having fun. It's tough also when you have three or four deflected goals. But Klopp had a very good statement, I thought, after the game. Some of them are unlucky, but he said their deflected goals are only half blocks. So it's not like the defender was fully in the way to stop a shot. You can't really call it fully unlucky. But yeah, that's about it. Then I think we literally took off at the final whistle. And I tweeted it out from the account. Not even kidding. Uh, The girl sitting in our row opened up a tuna fish sub and ate it in the first like 30 (laughs) minutes of the flight. But it gave me something to take my mind off of that game. So I'm only looking forward to this international break right now to hit the reset button and hope all most of these guys can get healed and cured. I mean, we talked about it. Seriously, it's crazy. Like, I don't don't know what I don't know how it stops. We talked about this offline, but the fact that there's international breaks happening right now is just insane. (laughs) Yeah. Ryan, I think we all know the past of the Goodison half of the Derby being 0-0. Hasn't been a goal scored at Goodison in the Derby since December of 2016. Do we think... Having Pickford and Adrian in the goals, is there's finally going to be a goal in the Goodison Derby and break it up for the four-year streak of not having one. Because I feel like we might – this might be every, – every gut instinct I have says you do not bet the over in the Goodison half of the Merseyside Derby. And I think this is the year – to just put your life savings oh, on it. I, I would bet my house on the over in that match. That is, <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. I'm going to go contrarian then. If, if everyone's going over, I'd say that the game's going to be a 0-0 stunner. <laughs> it wouldn't be a stunner at this point if it goes 0-0. <laughs> the, the one thing, I'm kind of with Josh how I could see it going 0-0, but... Also in Klopp's post-game interview, he said how after that match against Villa, he really wished he could have a couple of training sessions. But instead, like we just talked about, it's going to the international break. 
They've got two sessions back together before the Derby, so you're getting these guys with maybe a, a little touch of jet lag, a, a little unfamiliarity getting back and forth with each other. But I think the one thing that could keep the goal scoring low is that you're going to get the reintroduction of players like, or hopefully get the reintroduction of players like Henderson and Matip that maybe slow the offensive spread of the ball down a little bit, but it creates a much more solid base. So I'm hoping those guys get back, but it seems at this point, if you're Liverpool or if you're Everton and you have the slightest look at goal, you better shoot the ball. Just start ripping them. This is going to be, it's going to be a hell of a show, or at least I'd hope at this point. The only thing I can compare this match to, and it, you know, maybe maybe a little obvious, but the Germany-Brazil World Cup match, like, I, so I was in London when that, I was studying in London when that match happened, and I remember leaving my apartment and walking to the bar, like, from the time I walked to the bar, Germany had scored three or four goals, and it, it just, it seemed surreal and that's kind of what I felt like looking just kind of looking on Twitter during this match and you know saying like wait a minute they scored again and again and again and like you said Ryan like I'm sure some of it is like unlucky but you know if it was 3-2 or whatever that's you know that's one where it's like oh man like they were just really unlucky but I mean 7-2 is just crazy it could have been more than 7-2 as well. I mean... Right. I'll say this. We, we've we brought up expected goals. Has, has Ryan, have you looked at the expected goals total for this match? I did, and it's far <laughs> off what it was. And I want, I want to point out the one goal, uh, Joel McGinn's goal, I saw on the chart was listed as a 0.02% expected goal, which... That's what happens when you have Adrian in goal. There's nothing he could have done, but fate will go against the guys sometimes. And it's tough. Last season, I think people already forgot. Everyone has their mind focused on that Atletico Madrid game where he sucked so bad and just ruined our Champions League chances. But Allison like, tore his calf in the first game of the season, and Adrian was the goalie for the first 11 matches and we won all of those so it's not impossible to win with him if he played against Villa like he played filling in in the regular season last year Liverpool is a distant second place to Man City so like he he does he is capable of playing well it's like we were saying with Pickford it's even that to an even bigger extreme is he's just so prone to make mistakes and you you can't have that as a goalie I was going to say, and, and, and just as we're moving on into our next segment, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that United lost 6-1 to one to Spurs. That yes. makes me feel a little bit better. So Yeah. I, the... it, but that was an all-time gotcha. Like, don't count your eggs before they hatch because that was so fun to watch and then all hell broke loose. But no, 6-1 <laughs> six, six to one and then no Sancho. Sawyer's not on the pot tonight. We did check in with him. He is doing okay. Don't worry, anybody. But... <laughs> He'll be back next time. We know he will be. We'll get some thoughts from Sawyer the next time he's on, how the transfer window sure played out. But, but for now, we are moving on to our stoppage time. This is kind of a two-part stoppage time where I believe the first part will be dominated by Josh and myself. Two of the, so, so Sawyer is the real FIFA expert on this show. Uh, he expert. Is, expert. Yeah. Like PhD. He, he is by far uh, the best player of the five of us 
Although I will say, the last time I played him, I did beat him one nothing. Northern Ireland versus Ireland. I will not play him in FIFA ever again, uh, so I can retire on that victory. But, Josh, FIFA 21 is out. What are some of your thoughts? How, how's the squad looking? What are your thoughts on the game? What are you? Who are you hoping to pick up? What are you hoping to see from EA this year? Initial thoughts are, the game is pretty sweet. It feels pretty good. I like it. It's not as wild as last year. But that I should preface it all by saying I didn't use my 10 hours of pre-play up. I only used a couple... I've only got to play like five games, so I'm still I'm still getting used to it, and I haven't made a ton of coins, but the games I have played, I've made the most of and strengthened the squad with a, a good mix of Arsenal players and very just brubby dudes. My my squad name is the Real Sud Dudes, which we've been, or as I was to say, Real Sud Dudes. So, so to make the team, you got to be a combination of a decent player and you know, have a cool haircut too. So, so guys like Maddie Cash, he's he's made the cut already. I just found out during this pod, I was on my app and I found out I had Theo Hernandez from AC Milan, who's going oh, for he's like good. Yeah, and he's going for like twenty twenty five k yeah, right now. He's so real good. He's gonna yeah, get I've, wait. He's gonna get an inform tomorrow. So wait until his inform is out. Well, I'll sell him. And with that, I'm gonna buy Jack Relish and Nicholas Pepe to to kind of round out my squad. Right now, I got Saka in there and. I have Brandon Williams, that young left back yeah. from Man United. Yeah, exactly. He came in my starter pack, but so did Gabriel from Arsenal. So I'm cool with that. He's a non-rare card, but game's gonna be cool. I'm hoping we'll get a lot of cool promos. I love scream cards. That's my favorite promo in the entire world. <laughs> Shout out to the one person who liked my scream card tweet like last week on Twitter. <laughs> that- <laughs> <laughs> that was a very that was a very niche very very niche uh tweet spoiler i was actually the person that liked it it was just my burner <laughs> but yeah so so with the game releasing late in october hopefully we get some great scream cards here coming soon and and i'm looking forward to creating some cool made-up players so I guess I, I've played a few more matches than Josh, but let me make this very clear. I am not a good FIFA player. I enjoy FIFA, but sometimes it does feel a little bit like a toxic relationship. Um, <laughs> I have probably lost too much sleep thinking about FIFA. I have yelled too much uh, at my TV while playing FIFA. But, you know, it's it's every single year you get your hopes up for a new FIFA, and I'm fully aware that I could have my spirits broken again once they change the game, but uh, right now I'm, I'm really enjoying it. My squad is a, a very basic uh, Bundesliga squad with a few Serie A defenders uh, thrown in there. No real highlights. I have a Diego Godin, who he's 85 rated, so I was pretty happy about getting him in a pack. Not very quick, but he's fine, I think, for this early on in the game. Uh, and then I have a, I, I'm guessing he's a maybe a new transfer into uh, RB Leipzig, but he is a South Korean striker named Hwang Hee Chan. Uh, 93 pace, so really, really excited to use him. And then Kareem Bellarabi also playing up front on the wing, 90 pace. Everything I've read has said that pace is the way to go, so I'm just loading up on those quick players. Always is. Yeah, you can never go wrong uh, just getting the quickest guys you can. So 
I have that. And then just looking forward to the rest of the year in FIFA, I I mean, I just, I want a reason to play the game. Not just FIFA, I'm a little bit of an addict when it comes to any sports game that has any form of ultimate team mode. Uh, so I play a decent amount of the NBA 2K, my team, and then also... The one that's actually my favorite, maybe, is uh, the MLB The Show version. And they're great at always, there's always something to play for. Uh, So I just, I really hope that EA can figure it out and give me a reason to use new players, give me a reason to play a bunch of different game modes. Uh, But if they aren't going to do any of that, just make the game fun to play on its own, which so far it has been. I would be okay if we have a standing two to three minutes every episode just to touch base on FIFA, especially when Sawyer's on. The level he operates at in this game is vastly different from the rest of us, so would would love to pick his brain on what he sees. And I, I know I was talking to him earlier in the week. I know at one point he was already up close to a quarter million coins, just abs- absolutely going to town on on the app on his phone uh doing sbcs and and flipping players for profit so uh hopefully he doesn't permanently get his account banned like he did last year but uh we can we can stay hopeful he does not cheat he does no. not cheat. i was gonna say that was a false yes ban. yes ea, EA was bad ea punished him for outsmarting them and being successful uh, and they didn't like that, so they perma-banned his account. <laughs> Sawyer is like the Jordan Belfer of the FIFA community. Yeah. So going along with FIFA, our stoppage time segment, we're all going to be picking, I think we said top five fa- favorite video games, top five maybe significant video games. I don't, I don't think the five I have are necessarily my top five favorite, but they all hold a special place in some form, so we can... We can get into that, but uh, this is not soccer related. There may be some FIFA games on these lists, but mainly it's just an opportunity for us to talk about our favorite video games and loosely tying it to soccer because FIFA 21 is out. So Josh, (laughs) how about you go ahead and get us started? All right. I'm interested in this list too because for for those who don't know on the pod that I'm I'm just a couple years older than the rest of you guys, so my my list might look slightly different. I'm I'm thinking like kind of what Jake said, favorite games, but also games that just kind of meant a lot, not necessarily best games or but just games that really stick out to me as I go through. So, so the first one, and I think this might start off with an age one, but I'm sure you guys have heard of this. This is like the first game I really wanted to play. It, and really got into video games with, and it's it's the Twisted Metal series. Oh yeah, hell yeah, car yeah, yeah. car combat on the the original PlayStation. Yeah, OG PlayStation. It was one of those ones where you're, you had like a specific character that was like some tricked out car that was usually kind of scary or unique, and you went around and it had a special weapon, and you tried to destroy all the other cars. My my favorite guy was a dude named Axel who was literally. He was the axle of the car. Yes. He had just two a, massive a man, arms. That... A man with his limbs attached to two giant wheels, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and I feel like they came out with a new one of those games like every like three weeks. It was the exact opposite of FIFA where you didn't have to wait long for a game. So yeah, that was it. Got me into video games. Not much else. It was kind of a crappy game in retrospect, but it got me into the PlayStation world. All right. Kyle. 
I will say these probably aren't the top five games I've put the most time into, uh, but I would say they've probably the top five games that have had the most impact yeah. on my life. And number five is going to be Mass Effect 2. Mm. It's like, I, I will say, I will preface this by saying I probably play the, at least before this year, I've played the most video games out of the four of us, I would imagine. Uh, I put hardy chunks of time into video games but mass effect 2 I, I, I have a very low tolerance uh, I, to spend money on video games so <laughs> well i did not claim to be the person who spends the most money on video games because i know true. i will not win that but uh no mass effect 2 probably one of my favorite single player games of all time for a game that the the I can't. I don't think Mass Effect Two had multiplayer. I know Mass Effect Three did. Yeah, I think um, Three was did, the one that had like the multiplayer. They just kind of loved shoot it in. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's one of my favorite single player experiences I've ever had. Ryan, go ahead. All right, my number five. I am one that does not fall in quite to the big time gamer. Obviously, love video games, but. Most of mine were sport video games, never really got into Halo or Call of Duty, so my aim on everything sucked, and it kept me from ever playing shooting games. But my number five, I'm going with Mario Kart on GameCube. Uh, that double was, Dash. I, th- I think it's like Double Dash. Yeah, yeah Double Love Dash. Double yeah. Dash. That was just like a classic game, could always play. Felt like I played it a lot with Family. It was more of a family type video game, but I I like that one. You know, you it, it can make my number five. All right, respect that. Mine. So I'll say this: I didn't really rank mine. Uh, I just put down five games that, in some form or another, are significant to me. Uh, so I'll I'll start off and kind of to tie back into what we were just talking about. FIFA 18 is on this list for me. It is the FIFA I put the most time into, uh, and the main reason for that is the entirety of the FIFA 18 life cycle. Myself, Ryan, and Sawyer were living in an apartment together, Uh, so many nights were spent sitting around playing FIFA. Uh, Sawyer had his Xbox, Ryan and I co-managed a team on my PS4. So many nights were spent us just handing the controller back and forth. A lot of nights out started with us playing FIFA uh, and progressively getting worse at FIFA as we drank more and more. And we spent way too much time. I distinctly remember going to bed some nights at like 2 a.m. when I had to work the next day just because we were awake complaining about FIFA. So FIFA 18. That's my number four, and it's for the exact same <laughs> yes. reason. And it was one. It was the first time we really committed to Ultimate Team. It was. Yes. One, it was a no excuses. We're gonna grind these games out. There are two of us, Jake and I. Sawyer could do it on his own, and he would give us the tips. But Jake and I divvied up duties. Jake had real work. I had law school, so that was kind of where we found the balance between the two of working out who could do what when. But yeah, then we'd we'd see dips in our team structure somewhere around Saturday morning at 2:57 a.m. between there and 4 a.m. So we we took a lot. We took a lot of hits post tin roof, but getting overall we put a lot of time in the the 
the handful of times we qualified for weekend league, uh, getting back from the bars late Friday night, early Saturday morning, and trying to crank out four or five weekend league games was never a smart choice, but we uh, we did it anyways. <laughs> and this is number four on my list, only because there was so much wrong with it, because Oh, yeah. This is it's, like, also not when, objectively not good. <laughs> this was also the game that got us into FIFA packs like you wouldn't believe. It was it was just a game where I think one time we got snowed in. I think we were just watching YouTube videos oh, of people opening packs for that maybe was five to six hours. That was dark. <laughs> Let alone us doing it ourselves. I know there was one time where... Jake flexed his financial muscles and dropped a dropped some money for us to do it ourselves. And I think we packed a team of the season after like 25 packs. And it was one of the most exhilarating video game moments of my life. <laughs> well, that, that was, uh, that was FIFA 19. We packed a team of the year, Leonardo Benucci in a two player pack, which is, I mean, that l- literally could be the equivalent of winning the lottery. Like that is, <laughs> Like if if you crunch the numbers on that, that is, I that's maybe the the most unlikely thing that's ever happened to me. So, all right, Ryan, that was your number four. Josh, we'll come back around to you for the uh, the number four. Number four, tried and true for me. Someone else probably has this on this their list. Maybe it's Grand Theft Auto series. Mm. Starting starting with three and then up until now. Nope. I see a couple head shakes, so, no, so I can. I mean, those more. are good games, not not also, on my list. Honorable, I didn't also, do shooting it would games. Have been, man. It would be in my honorable mentions. Would also honorable mention with this is I'll just talk about it now is the the Red Dead games yeah. as well because they're basically the same thing, just Western. I mean, you can plug so many hours into that game, and also just a big game, Grand Theft Auto Three coming out when I was like in middle school and trying to be like a do the the sleepover thing where you try to beat the entire game in one night, but you're inevitably just like fall asleep at three o'clock in the morning because you couldn't stay up that late that was those are some classic memories and also my sister hated video games and she loved grand theft auto 3 and 4 for some reason so my parents would buy that for me and my younger sister who was like 10 or even younger at the time so <laughs> love that probably too young to be playing the grand theft auto much games. too young but i was always like oh it's like a game where she can drive around in cars too like it's cool it's like a driving game <laughs> Not knowing that all the cars were stolen and you ran over people on the street. So, yeah, classic game. A lot of good memories there. Couldn't couldn't leave it off my list. All right. Respect. Kyle. Uh, my fourth, a little bit probably of a precursor to Josh's picks of just open world games, but uh, would be Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Mm, yep. Was a game that I definitely attempted to play as a kid. And... Mm-hmm. As as a very early open world game, and as a kid not of an age to understand a lot of things, I just probably just ran well, around and did absolutely nothing. I was gonna say a, a kid not not necessary. You know, I was a kid that would just skip through whenever someone was talking to me in a video game. So yeah, you miss and then a you lot. just never know where and to also, go. Also, and more like, importantly, a time before YouTube existed. Yeah. So yeah, like, what, like that was, if you that didn't was know what the to time do, of. You had to the get time of Nintendo your parents magazines. actually have to buy you a game guide yeah. Yeah, to game buy, guides. like to finish the yeah. game. But yeah, I mean, there was, I guarantee I 
at least when I first played the game or like when I would put hours into it as a kid, never got past the water temple. Still, water temple is still considered one of like the hardest things to do if you don't know how to do it in a video game. So definitely did not get that far in the game, at least when I was a kid. I beat it now, but I mean, I'm an adult. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it definitely one of my earliest memories was playing Ocarina of Time. So that's my number four. That game was clutch because you could go and rent it at Blockbuster and yeah. you'd get the pre-saved files on it and someone, yep. you'd open yep. it up and yes. someone would beat in the water yeah. temple and you'd be like, yeah. hell yes. Like all the, yes. the bad stuff's back. I passed the devil. Yeah, or even just being Dude. adult Link was huge. Like I was like, I hated doing the Deku tree. But yeah, that game was like, I left that one because <laughs> I knew someone was going to have that. That's such a great game. Just yeah. an absolute classic. Legend of Zelda was also a classic one, just like being at daycare and there was one N64 and you would sit like four rows back and watch it because the older kids were playing it and I had no clue what was going on. Well, yeah, I I, I was going to say, I I have distinct memories of getting my hair cut as a child and going to like... (laughs) Cookie cutters. Cookie Cookie cutters. Cookie cutters. Cookie cutters, which for those of you that don't know, it's a kid's haircutting place where basically they have movie... They have TV screens at each station so you can watch a movie or play a video game while you're getting your haircut. I distinctly remember playing Ocarina of Time there, which for a 30-minute haircut, playing a game that, you know, probably takes somebody... 10 to 20 hours to be if you know what you're doing uh is just very funny to think about me as like a (laughs) seven-year-old so ryan we already talked about fifa 18 that was next on your list so the the next one on my list is uh tony hawk underground for the original xbox uh maybe maybe it's at the front of my mind because the uh Tony Hawk 1 and 2 remakes just came out. Growing up, I played a lot of the Tony Hawk games, and uh, by far my favorite of those was Tony Hawk Underground. So it's an open world. You can get off your board. They have a bunch of weird, different things going on. Uh, and I I got to the point with that game where I could beat it on the hardest difficulty in one sitting. So I would just sit down and like in a couple hours one afternoon just like play it from beginning to end and beat it and then just like the next day or whatever pick it up again and just play it from beginning to end and beat it so that's probably the game i've beaten uh the most amount of times probably a couple dozen times beginning to end just like having everything down like clockwork the people you run into in that game it's incredible not it i'm thinking more tony hawk pro skater 3 but like you get you get those missions or whatever, and it's like, hey man, these kids won't get off the seat. Pop an ollie to make them leave. Yes, and you just like hit X, and, and you're like, oh and, yeah. And to to this day, uh, Eric Sparrow from Tony Hawk Underground is one of the most hateable video game characters of all time. <laughs> just your douchey best friend that sells you out to achieve his dreams. Uh, just so, so hateable. Yeah, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, I feel like 1 and 2 get all the love, especially, like, I think it's 2, right, with that first level, the basement or whatever it's called. I'm outing myself. Yeah, the the first... So, Superman by Goldfinger is Tony Hawk 1. That's the warehouse level. 
where and then Tony Hawk yeah. 2 has the hangar level where you grind on the helicopter and the helicopter takes off and like breaks through the ceiling but they yeah. look very similar yeah but I was gonna say those get all the love nostalgia wise but underground was the, the game like that game was the coolest one I think yeah something I love too about the the Tony Hawk games, it was the ultimate, your mom walks down and sees you playing and it's just like, wait, there's blood in this video yes. game? Like, yes. I have no clue. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. It's like, it's wait, playing because you could turn here. on, you could turn on like extra right. blood. Yeah, it's like. And it would just like smear the walls and it would just like turn them go, red. Going, ba- <laughs> going back to Blockbuster, that's one where it's like, oh man, this has to be rated T. Like if this was just rated E, like my mom wouldn't bat an eye. But it's rated T, so she has to look at the back of the box, and it's like skateboarding. Like, why is there blood and violence in this? But that's a very good point. <laughs> All right, we're I think we're back to Josh. Your third, your third game on the list. Yeah, third game for me, an absolute classic that spawned a massive franchise, which was it was Pokemon Red and Blue series. Yep, got that unexpectedly in like fourth grade my parents were like yeah the guy at toys rs said this game was gonna be cool and i was like what the hell is this and then i caught it <laughs> i picked it i picked the charizard and just started embering things and i was like this game's pretty sick and and that was it you know like, <laughs> pokemon got so big i mean you guys were at the same school as me just a couple of grades below like pokemon got so big you weren't allowed to have like any pokemon stuff at school because it would just get taken by other kids because everyone wanted it and those games were so fun, and they were long. Like, they were perfect length for, like, being a fourth to sixth grader because it was easy to work through them. It wasn't like the water temple, but you still had to work a little bit to get through it, so it felt like you were doing something. That, mm-hmm. that game was sick. I never had Pokemon Red or Blue, and that is because I had a... You Pikachu. I had a special edition yellow Pokemon Game Boy. Pokemon Yellow, baby! Yes, Pokemon Yellow with the special edition Pikachu Game Boy Color, which... I just looked up on eBay because I thought that could be worth a lot of money. <laughs> Ryan is showing us Pokemon Yellow on his list. I just looked up. Uh, I typed in Pokemon or Pikachu Game Boy Color on eBay, and you can buy one right now. There's an auction going on for it looks like Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue, and the Yellow Pikachu Game Boy, and it is. $33. That is... Hell yeah. That is a steal and a half. Oh, I'm sorry. It is Pokemon Puzzle Challenge and the Smurfs Nightmare. Those are the two games. So, <laughs> so, so th- maybe $33 is a bit more accurate, but still, I I honestly would have guessed that the yellow Pikachu Game Boy Color would be worth a lot of money, but that's maybe me being a dummy. <laughs> Uh, my number three is uh, it, it just just been shown to us that it will appear on someone else's list. Uh, I think maybe he'll do the franchise though. I'm specifically saying Super Smash Brothers Melee. Melee mm. is the it feels like at least for my generation, Melee was like the OG esport, especially Game for two, like right? people. Yes, yes. Uh, I mean that's a it's it's maybe not something everybody knows, but that. Melee still has like a huge a professional following. scene, yeah. <laughs> a professional scene like twenty years and later, and I mean, if you want to watch some of the most like hype video game moments and like es like just esports slash video game history, it's just like go look up like 
a compilation of Smash like tournament moments, and it is some of the most fun you'll have watching video games. And it's also a game. I mean, I just played an obscene amount. A compilation as a child of Smash, and still play a, a good amount as an adult. Mm. So <laughs> I miss Melee. I played a ton of the Super Smash Brothers for the 64, uh, and then I actually have. I yes, I am a almost 27 year old man who purchased a Nintendo Switch on launch day, and I have oh. I have Super Smash Brothers Brawl for that, which is also a lot of fun. But I know Me- Melee is the one, or yeah, yeah, Ultimate, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brawl's a different one. So I know Me- Brawl is the yeah. Wii. So I know Melee is kind of the one held in the highest regard, and it's the one that I've I've played the least. It is very hard to be good at. <laughs> It, well, when when you're playing someone who is good at it, at least. You also have to use that crappy Game Boy controller. Oh, I'm a big fan of the GameCube controller. Let's throw hands, brother. <laughs> I love the GameCube controller. It's a simple controller. It's tiny. It is tiny. I, I will agree with that, but I, I do like the GameCube controller. I'll jump in because my number three is Super Smash Brothers. I was just going for original. I did have and spent most time playing Melee on GameCube, but I feel like, like Kyle said, that's a pretty intense game that people got unbelievably good at. So the chances if you happen to play somebody in Melee, they're going to be way better than you. But college, one of the most college games ever was just N64 Super Smash Brothers. I think people have been playing that in college for the last... I don't know, 25 years. Yeah. It's just like one of the perfect <laughs> games to play easily, either for, for free-for-all or 2v2. Just a very fun game that can get intense and you can get a lot better at it. Yeah, I kind of like the Nintendo one too, just because there, there are a little bit less options. I'm overwhelmed a little bit in the newer games where there's like a thousand people you can pick from. So I like the old trusty options and that's why yeah i'll i'll put uh super smash brothers n64 what? on and i'll three. i'll say something with super smash brothers and i think mario kart falls into this as well uh you talk about playing them in college i think those are two games that lend themselves very well to creating a set of rules that involve drinking alcohol uh mm-hmm. so that's yes. i mean that makes them a hit i'll I know it's kind of before our time. I mean, we all played it, but obviously, like, weren't in college. But I think Goldeneye, the James Bond Goldeneye, I think falls into that, too. Games that mm-hmm. it's not super complicated. Uh, you can hand a controller to someone and explain how to play it. And then, yeah, just, like, build rules into it that involve alcohol is a recipe for success. That was the the Wii version of uh, Mario Kart in my college house but moving on to my third choice it is college hoops 2k8 for the i believe i guess original xbox maybe uh so this was the short well now they don't make college sport video games at all so college hoops 2k8 was the obviously the the 2k brand which has always been my preferred uh basketball video game experience And College Hoops 2K8 is on this list, one, because I played a ton of it, and two, because I think it is the video game. At at my peak of College Hoops 2K8, I was top 100 in the world, and that was in like 2010 or 2011, 
like very long after the game had come and gone (laughs) hardly anybody played it but i still played it it would take forever to find games i was always university of louisville i'd run a full court press and i got into the top 100 in the world uh when there were probably like 200 people playing but still like seeing a top 100 global leaderboard with my name on it was awesome it was a great game a few years after that i tracked down a copy on ebay and bought it and played it and it has not aged well uh so i would not (laughs) encourage those of you uh who are dying for a college basketball video game to go back and find it but at the time, I mean, what one of my one of my favorite ge- still is one of my favorite games, but the the best I've ever been at a video game. Josh, we're back to you. All right, number two for number me, two. sticking with college, and I think it's probably going to be on another list based on what we've seen. It's it's NCAA football, the now defunct NCAA football. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, and that game was sick. That played that game every year. I bought it every year. I love just creating a team or creating a player, and then later, franchise or campus legend mode was like the sickest thing ever when I was like a twelve-year-old. And and also we rip on EA a lot in offline in this group, but EA always crushed the soundtracks with NCAA football. So I, I can't hear the Clash song "Train in Vain" without thinking of Joey Harrington and NCAA football too. <laughs> so that's just. <laughs> A memory that'll never come out of my mind, so it, it takes the two spot for me. And a game that's gotten some recent popularity during quarantine by yeah. a certain person on Twitter. That's a that's a good one. I, I didn't include it on my list just because I knew that somebody else would. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's a great choice. Yeah, that would be an honorable mention in my list for sure. Uh, my number two is one I'm maybe a little shocked i mean ryan's not a shooter guy so maybe it's not that shocking but uh halo yep, 3 that's is my that's the next pick. one i was gonna talk about okay okay that i, I assumed it would be on someone's yep. list but i mean there's a lot of people who have allegiances to different halo games depending on where they entered the series a lot i know i have a a few older guys that i'm friends with who will tell you halo 2 is the best game in this series but for me it was I put just an absolutely obscene amount of hours into Halo 3. I mean, SWAT. Yeah, I mean, we would play for literal full days on end. Like, we would go over to my friend's house. We would set up two TVs, build your own maps and forge if you wanted to do some crazy shit. But, I I mean, there were definitely days where I walked into my friend's house and we sat down and played 10 hours of Halo 3. Yeah, and that that was going to be mine. Uh, But exactly what kyle said i'm to this day i'm not a person that enjoys playing like competitive games online like you know i don't really enjoy like the online shooters and even games like fifa uh and some of the other sports games even on the online game modes i like sticking to like the singer the single player uh options but Halo 3 is absolutely the one exception to that. Just you could, you know, you, you they say it all the time with different like books and TV shows and video games. But Halo 3 is truly a game where you look and it's 930 and then you look at the clock again and it's like 3 a.m. And you have just sat on the couch playing Halo the whole time and just like don't remember any of that time passing. 
it's definitely a game that time just slips away when you're yes. playing it. At least back then, it was like, oh yeah, <laughs> what what do you mean it's it's been ten hours? All right, my number two uh, was touched on earlier, but my number two is Pokemon Yellow. Like Josh said, Pokemon was everything at the time when that came out. I mean, they they had the Pokemon Game Boys, the cards, the TV show. It was everything, and I remember whether I was on the way to practice or just sitting at home or walking around anywhere, I don't think I, or I think I always had my Game Boy and I was always playing Pokemon Yellow. Don't think I ever beat it. It was just a classic one where you got to a certain point, maybe you gave up and then you're like, oh, I'll start a new game and you get to the exact same point. Mm-hmm. You get lost somewhere yeah. in the cave and you're just like, I don't know. <laughs> you, you, That's so true. You use some sort of stone to turn your Pikachu into a Raichu and regret it immediately. That, that <laughs> That's really all I have on uh, Pokemon Yellow. But yeah. Speaking of the banning of Pokemon stuff from our yes, school, I, I remember I was, one yes. time I, I, I was swindled out of Yes. I think I, I, I used to do the cards. I love the cards. I still have the cards. Like Jake, I'm hoping one day they become valuable in some sort. But I remember one time my neighbor who was, I don't know, probably like three or four years older than me, convinced me that I should trade him some holographic card I had for like eight squirtles and i did it and i remember coming home and my mom forced me to go back over and get it back because that was not fair but yeah that i mean that's probably why everything got banned but that game was amazing i would love to play it today i can't get my game boy to work but then yeah it's an it's an amazing game and and that shout shout out our parents for somehow knowing when trades were and weren't worth it and yeah. being like, yeah, you should, you shouldn't have done that. And you being like, mom, how do you know that? And they'll be like, just yeah. don't do that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, she was probably like, uh, for because for some stupid reason, I spent like thirty five dollars on this one card for you. <laughs> yeah, so true. At K and L Cards. <laughs> Shout out K and L Cards in Greenwood. Sponsoring the pod. Yeah, Greenwood, Indiana, somehow still in business. <laughs> All right, I think we're we're to Josh for your last game. Yeah, number number one for me. Not much more to be said about this game. We've talked about it a bunch. It's it's wee bowling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's oh, it's FIFA. Man. It's it's FIFA. I've bought that game every year since I was like, I don't remember how old. I remember playing like you could play as like Ronaldo when he was playing. So I had I had a game back then, and you could play in an indoor court. So like, I mean, it's the only game I buy every year besides NCAA football before it went extinct so yeah we've talked about it enough but that it's fifa yeah so uh to to reach peak nerdness to to declare myself ultimate nerd of this podcast my number one is world of warcraft it is a game (laughs) it is a game i've spent absolutely obscene amounts of time on a game that i definitely have spent multiple like 24 hours like spending i would spend 20 out of 24 hours playing the game it it, there is a feature for those who don't know there's a feature in world of warcraft where you can type slash played and it will tell you how much how many hours you've been logged into the game and i i don't know i haven't played in a while probably in a year or so i'm waiting for the next expansion because they're still putting them out god love them but 
I, I believe I showed Ryan what my slash played was, and he went, that's just the most insane thing I've ever seen. And so, because it is well over 100 days of logged in time. And so that that had to be my number one. I've reached the, the pinnacle nerd of the podcast, and I will hand it off to Ryan for his number well, one. Unless well, anybody wants to talk about World of Warcraft. Yes. Hypothetically, in the year 2020, if I were interested in getting into World of Warcraft, how much how much yes. would that cost me? Because what turned me off was the fact that you pay per month, and I was not a fan of that. Is that still a thing? Ask, asking for a friend, of course. Yes, asking for a friend. So I would tell you to wait until Shadow. So Shadowlands is coming out. It's the next expansion. If you were theoretically to do it. Wait until after Shadowlands comes in because you'll have to buy Shadowlands. Got it. And at that point, like you'll just be paying like the sixty dollars to buy the game. And then, as long as it hasn't changed, it's fifteen dollars a month, which is a the fact the fact that I the the absolute antiquated system of a monthly subscriber has somehow lended its way. And survived all this time. In a world where you can just get Call of Duty for free, paying paying yeah. fifteen dollars yeah. a month for like that's what turns me off to getting that's, into that. That and also knowing that I have somewhat of an addictive personality and know that if I get into oh, it, yeah. like I it I will be, get into it. It would be hard. very bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I mean that's a that's a game that like almost every expansion when it comes out I will take off work and like be like I'm not moving from my computer chair for at least like 24 hours and just it, it's not healthy that's the other thing that comes with like the like seeing how much you've played is like that's also just an absurd amount of money that I've played for like like 14 years now and like for at least half that time I've been subscribed to the game. So I've been paying $15 a month for at least seven years, probably. And that's, that's just so an absolutely money. disgusting, that's, that's an absolutely so disgusting money. thing to think about. That's almost, but somehow it's survived. Yeah. Well, thanks for that, Ryan. I D- think that'll be the that. last thing I say on this podcast tonight. Well, but yeah, I mean, I understand because one of my honorable mentions is, Civ Six, which I picked up during this quarantine, and when when you get in these like whole different world type things, when it shows you how many hours you've played, it's like I swear I played this game maybe five or six times, but I've somehow done it for over fifty five hours right. or something. I can't, yeah. I can't. It's it's unreal. My it, it lends itself average well time to, played in yeah. one sitting. Yes, but my yeah. my number one, it was mentioned, and it is NCAA football. Yep. that was and will forever be my favorite game. I, I never went a year without that. My very first game for PS2 was the Joey Harrington one, Oregon Ducks, where you could just be Cedric Benson, call a draw to the left, and then do an audible and just run it to the right and score every single time. The game was fun because you could always do well at it at whatever level you wanted it to be at. And then, as we saw during quarantine, Coach Gus Duggerton, I, I was doing that with some of these guys and some of the guys from my neighborhood probably back Yes. In 2014, 15, just back from college, we'd throw it on, become the offensive coordinator at Southern Alabama and see where see where that led us over time. And we'd talk talk about our recruits, 
get up to head coach at Oklahoma State, make a couple moves. But I love that. I mean, there's the dynasty mode in that was probably my favorite segment of any video game. But then I also did love the road to glory where I made myself a 6'1", 215-pound running back with a Oakley dark visor and running back flap jacket Mm -hmm. and sleeves and gloves. Just exactly what I look like in real life. (laughs) But... (laughs) That that game that game was amazing and it showed that it is still entertaining as there were literally hundreds of thousands of people watching at one time to see yes. someone play it. And if we if we can ever, ever, ever get that back, that would be maybe the only game I need. It'll well, yeah. I've I know I've told you guys if if EA or whoever would ever make a the the doors that would open if they could make a like college basketball ultimate team and you could just use you know all the different colleges you could just grab NBA players and like throw them back in plus the make your own guy like do recruiting like do all that like in in the single player I mean that would like that that would print money a game like that would uh so my speaking of printing money uh my number one game on this list i'll i'll preface it with saying i don't know if it's my favorite game of all time it's close i kind of used it to represent all the games like it uh and that is the elder scrolls 5 skyrim uh so that is a game that i believe i have purchased six different times maybe on about yeah, every platform I, imaginable. Xbox 360, Xbox One, PS4, PC. And then I feel like I bought it a couple other times when it was like cheaper to buy the collector's edition instead of buying like all the DLC yeah. pieces. As much as I do love the uh, ultimate team modes and sports games, like my, my favorite type of game is just a giant open world game where you can for dozens of hours just explore and not not do any of the main missions i would i think red dead redemption falls into that uh especially the second one i think the more recent assassin creed assassin's creed games fall into that uh those are both great so yeah just anything with a huge open immersive world that you can you can really get lost in and i i do think skyrim probably does that the best or does it in the way that i like the most uh so not much else to say for that one but that is a game that prints money still still (laughs) to this day like nine years later it's still being bought in mass any honorable mentions people want to throw out here before we sign off yeah i have i have two going along that series of skyrim is the fable series yes those are great and then uh the witcher 3 i can't say one and two but witcher 3 is so much like skyrim and i was torn between putting elder scroll i i was torn between putting skyrim and witcher 3 on here but they but yeah they're they're i think the two best of those games for sure i'll actually add one in uh espn nfl 2k5 with yeah. on the cover yeah. yes mm-hmm. yes and they had prime time on there yes they had chris berman yep they had the first Th- person that was an amazing game first person mode i would say yes ESP- espn was yeah the yeah play in first person and i'm pretty sure you could play donald trump in that yes uh i don't know donald <laughs> trump but i know you could play david arquette 
I know he was one of them. There, they had like um, they had like a your house that you could like decorate with stuff, and then celebrities yes, the would call you, and you would play their team. Yes, because you'd deck out the uh, the yep. trophy trophy case, case. You'd like. I- You'd be like, you'd be like playing on like the lowest difficulty, and you'd get like MVP. I always played defense in that game because I thought it was more fun as in the first person mode to play defense. And so you'd be like defensive player of the year and like MVP trailer or trophies and like Super Bowls like yeah. every year. And your trophy case would just with be your, like with your out. disgusting blue and white leather Colts couch, or for you. Kyle, your disgusting <laughs> yeah. orange and blue Broncos leather couch. Broncos couch, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, what that's. A game. I mean, I have a feeling video games will come up again, uh, especially since we're gonna be spending a lot of time at home for the foreseeable future. Still, uh, so that I mean, we're always gonna talk about FIFA on this podcast, but uh, so I think I think that does it for this week. Looking towards next week, we have the international break, uh, so there won't really be... There could be some stories from that to recap, uh, but I think next week we're really going to do a, a deep dive of of the Champions League, maybe touch on the Europa League a bit, but uh, make some picks and we can kind of track those throughout the year, uh, see, see how we're doing on those. Um, then, hey... Uh, fingers crossed, especially for West Ham. Maybe, maybe some more transfer news trickles in as teams are, I believe, still able to negotiate for at least another week or so with the championship clubs. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but for now, this is us signing off from the Banner FC podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.